morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. You can give us a call or text at 1-877-332-8255. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Good morning, morning. Erin. Welcome. Thank you. I'm uh, back after a brief... Intermission. <laughs> and now it's kind of wintry out. We're looking, last time I was here, you know, we sowed leaves on the trees. Yeah. Now we have ice on the river. Yes. Who knew that would come this quickly? It, come, it came really quickly. <laughs> like it was the change from like I was out working on my deer fence. It was like warm. Mm-hmm. Like and then me shorts. and him went to, went to Toronto and we went to a trade show conference with a bunch of garden centers across Canada and came home and I've had my car parked at the airport and it was covered Personal. in snow. <laughs> so welcome home. Yes. Welcome home. Yeah. <laughs> the Saskatchewan welcome. <laughs> exactly. Um, we have a lot coming up uh, just in terms of, you know, we have people kind of wrapping up their garden for the year, the last few things to do before the real snow hits. We have pests, we have bugs, we have all sorts of things, but we also have Halloween in a couple of days. Tuesday. And we were just talking about this, what to do with those pumpkins yeah. after you've after you've finished the, the Halloween, the trick-or-treating, the decorating, what do you do with them? Well, it's becoming more of a trend not to carve your pumpkin and to maybe decorate it with paint or with stickers or something like that. And the reason being is because once you carve them, you can't use them. And a lot of people mm-hmm. are trying to use them. So using them for soups, making a pie out of them, um, making a loaf out of them, or even roasting the, cutting them open and roasting the seeds for us for snacks. Um, so using, t- teaching kids not only to how to decorate their pumpkin, but how to use them afterwards, I think is a, is a great thing to be able to teach your, teach your kids. But mm-hmm. you know what? The, the pumpkins, when there's so many of them coming to the landfills at once, they, they produce a gas and that gas, uh, is not necessarily great for the environment. So you want to make sure you're composting your pumpkin. So if you've carved your pumpkin, it's not healthy to eat it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but stick it in the compost, either in your yard or in your green bin and, uh, and then it will get, um, decomposed properly. Um, our- and, and the reason why, because in the landfills, they don't get the oxygen and they produce methane, but in the compost, they get lots of oxygen. And little then more they space. compost properly don't release that methane. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that you can do is find a farmer. Um, I know that all the extra pumpkins at the garden center are going to be going to a pig farm this year. Nice. So, uh, yeah, find a farmer and they can use it for feed for their, for their crop, for their livestock as well. Not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. A bit of a snack. And it's kind of festive <laughs> for the, for the pigs that are there. Uh, you mentioned the Toronto meetings. Uh, what were you guys doing out there? Yeah, we're just getting together with a bunch of other garden centers from across Canada and, uh, we just network and network and then we end up geeking out on plants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah geeking out on plants is right. And so it was, it was good. It was just good to get together because we really haven't been really together as a bigger group like we did since before the mm-hmm. pandemic. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, it, it was, was really nice to see faces. Yeah. All of our meetings have been on Zoom, um, yeah. and meeting with a lot of the different, uh, vendors and trying to see what's new out there. Trying to, the, the lily beetle was one thing that, uh, we've been, there's no, nothing on the market. We will have something on the market next year for that. Nice. Uh, so that's exciting. I'm looking for, at beneficial insects and, uh, and trying to see some more of these beneficial insects that we can, uh, provide to the consumer and uh, just learning a little bit more about that. So I'm excited to sort of see what's going to come and like sort of the, the plant geek side of it. Yeah. Um, but there, there is some new things coming down the line and uh, and that that's kind of what uh, those trips are all about. And Bit then, of a preview. Yeah. Then exactly. we got together and had a banquet together and had fun and then yeah. we, we were I was the auctioneer for a charity auction. We, we <laughs> Did raised... you know Rick is a great auctioneer? <laughs> I had no idea. So, Hidden talent. <laughs> yeah. So we had fun doing that and, uh, and we raised... Uh, about 
$29,000 for Teen Challenge Canada. Nice. And so helping people with addictions and families with addictions. So it's, it was, it was awesome. It was, uh, it was, everybody really had a fun time and uh, were able to raise a bit of money. Not a bad deal. If you have a question for Rick or Jill, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Uh we do have a text coming in from Corey in Saskatoon. When wrapping emerald cedars, can the burlap physically touch the tree? They can as long as you're six inches off the ground so the snow can go underneath and protect the roots. Okay. If and the other thing yep. too is trying to make sure it's not like snug tight so you're yep. holding those branches and leave it as a loose wrap. Just, just one wrap, not not a multiple wraps and using the burlap that's more for gardening and it's a loose mesh. Okay. So mm-hmm. it, it's not not a tight mesh so it's letting the air move through it. So you let the excess heat escape. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's the big one. Is uh, the best way is actually to put some stakes in the ground before the ground's frozen and wrap the stakes, so you leave a little bit of an air gap. Okay, and uh, then you can leave the top open if you want. But you're you're really trying to do two things with emeralds. Is you're trying to number one is the is the March and April before the ground basically thaw before the ground is not not frozen anymore and the roots can take up moisture for the needles again you're trying to keep the sun and the wind off of it okay okay especially or if you get a chinook in february you know that that's that's where you really it's not the minus 40 degrees you're not putting a coat on it you're providing a shade okay so it's more like the windbreaker and not like the winter coat okay exactly and so that's yeah you can wrap a lot of people do it but uh like i said using the 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 mesh that the heat, extra heat can escape is, is pretty big too. All right. Is there any other, uh, plants, trees, um, bushes, anything like that that people should be considering wrapping this yeah, time of year? The only thing also is on some, some trunks of trees like mountain ash or flowering crabs or apple trees, they can get a sun skull on the, on the south side of the trunk. Okay. So wrapping a white, um, uh, tree wrap around the trunk or there's ones that are corrugated that you can, you know, just, either spiral over top or put a just a corrugated sort of like a it looks like a weeping towel you sort of open it up and put oh, it yeah. on the trunk and that really helps as well if you have um voles or any rodents yeah. that are eating at the or bottom rabbits, of your trunk that rabbits. was a really big problem last year and a yeah. lot of the bottoms of trunks i know even our pear and apple trees at yeah. the store got eaten on the bottom so wrapping those bases them will will prevent that because once you get that uh if they eat all the way around the, the bottom of the bark, yep. your tree's done and it might not die that next year, but it will mm-hmm. die in about two years time. And some people use also just, they, they split, uh, um, like a weeping black weeping towel. Okay. It's okay as long as the weeping towel has some space around it. So the air, hot air, cause it, black attracts the sun yes. and heat, right? So the hot air can escape. Okay. How far up the tree would you have to go with you that? You want to go up right up to where the first branches are at least. Okay. Okay. So you want to go from the ground up to the first branches. And remember your, your snow is, is higher. Is so higher. So it's going to go. The, if it goes higher, if you're mm-hmm. trying to keep rodents away, then you, you're going to have to put a little, uh, some posts in the ground or something and put some chicken wire around to keep those other little rodents away. You know? Okay. Like okay. Ra- oh, if you have just rabbits and that and, uh, but you or a finer mesh for, for voles, but cause they, do climb up into the snow. We had some apple trees that they, we ended up made a mistake. We piled snow from this, you know, from the parking lot yeah. against the branches, and they went up like three feet high into the <laughs> snowbank and just ate all the. Bark. Just used it as like a launching pad yep. to get more food. Yep, exactly. Uh, this one coming from Julie in Battleford. Uh, strawberries in a raised bed. Should strawberries die down first before covering with mulch? Uh, no, they can stay. It, it's fine. If, if, if we're starting to get, like, so this week, we're, we're almost getting some minus 13 to 15s yeah. at night. So, yeah, she should cover it, even with the green. That's fine. Okay. Yep. 
Um, I wouldn't necessarily if they have if they if they're still green. I wouldn't cut them back at that point in okay. time. But just yep. leave the leaves on there. It will catch extra snow. Pile your mulch up on top of them. In a raised bed, you'll want to put quite a bit of mulch around them, um, just so that it can help with that freeze and thaw on the last. And even as we get more snow, throw mm-hmm. snow up against the edges. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because your the frost can go horizontally. It depends how tall your raised beds are. So you can put some mulch or even something on the side if they're not that tall. Just keep the frost from going sideways, not just the top. Okay. Bit of a a blanket around it. Yep. All right. Uh, We have Tom in Choiceland waiting on the line. Good morning, Tom. What's your question for Rick and Jill? I know it's kind of late, but I was wondering, um, uh, like I got praying mantis on you guys last year, right? Yes. And uh, I know it said something on the pack about them laying eggs, but I don't imagine they'd survive the winter, probably. No. Not here in Saskatchewan. Um, those those guys are ones that you will apply every year. All righty. Okay. Because I, um, well, I got uh, one pack from you guys last year, and um, I was wondering, I think this year I'm going to order two, right? Yeah, you can order two if they they work really good. Those those guys are like a little army to get rid of those aphids and, and spider mites. You, you can ca- if you want to capture some of them, you always can put them inside an aquarium or something like that. And but you have to feed them all winter. But I mean, you could do that too and have a little little insect little collection. Yeah, well, mom said she only seen one because uh, I, I'm disabled, so I don't really make it into the garden. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's mom's. Uh, yeah, they're they're hard to see in the garden, though. They're they're. No, I told her because yeah. she's like going to be eighty nine here. Yeah, yeah. So I, come around March, you'll be able to start seeing that you can start pre ordering them, and you want to apply them out into the garden around middle of June, set when that weather is about ten degrees at nighttime, and then they're ready to hatch at that point in time. I was just wondering about. Um, well, do you have to have plants grown or what? Or you just put them in the garden before anything comes up? You no, know, you want to put them when the plants are there, like in the shrubs or anything that, anything that your shrubs are starting to grow in the yard. You yeah. can put them out there. But but usually once once you start getting around, you know, June the 10th, June the 15th, there's a few things coming up in the garden already anyway, so... And you you want there to be bugs, bad bugs in your yard because that's what those good bugs are going to feed on. So it's not to keep no bugs at all in your yard. That's not very natural. You want to keep them at bay, and that's what those praying mantis are doing. Yep. So, um, so you think it'd be good maybe to start in the flower beds along the house because that stuff, like we got stuff that comes up early there, right? Yeah, yeah. in the flower beds in your vegetable garden, any of your your shrubs that have lots of new growth on them, that those are great places to start and, off. Then from there, they'll move to the garden. They'll move all through the, through yeah, the yard. They'll yep. move wherever there's food. They'll clean yeah, it up and well, move okay. to the next so That's a good thing to do then is put them in the flower bed. Yep, yeah. But just, just wait until around June the 10th. Alrighty then. Okay. Thank you very much. You're Happy welcome. Sunday. Yeah, have a good day. Yep. Bye now. Uh, we have a text from Brenda in Saskatoon. My nine barks never drop their leaves. Is this their normal habit? Big mess to clean up next spring. Yeah, yeah, that's normal. There's okay. some different plants that do keep their leaves on. Yeah, if you want right now, if you want to give them a trimming and, um, you know, to, to sort of get them, because nine barks can grow, especially different varieties. They can get sort of out and open and spreading, so you can give them a little trimming so they're a little more tighter in. You can do that right now. And, okay. um, now, now, Rick, my yard, I remember I had a maple tree that was, I never dropped its leaves, and that's because it was getting too much water into the fall season. Is well, that true with some it, of these shrubs, it's too? It's okay. It, it's, the maples need to turn color. Mm-hmm. They don't, it's not necessarily don't have to drop their leaves. Like okay. There's outside here, there's, uh, well, I, guess I see all some of the birches out there. Even some, some of the maples aspens. down below the window here. 
I guess they drop most of the leaves. There's some seed. There's a lot of seed on them right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, they need to turn color, and that's why you need to slow down the watering. Now, maples, you remember, you don't want to prune them now anymore no. because they will bleed in the spring. Okay, so you prune them basically from July 1st up until September 30th. Okay, and then that's when you prune maples and birches and even pine trees. And um, so now, if you prune them now, they will bleed in the spring still. So if so, if your tree has leaves still on it, your shrub has leaves on it, it's not necessarily a bad sign if it no. started to turn fall color. But if it's sort of kept that green color and never turned mm-hmm. any fall color to go dormant, it might be because you've um, watered it a little bit too long yeah. into the fall, a little bit too much. Even apple trees will have some green leaves on them still, and you can start, now you can start pruning. Good time. Okay. There's not too much snow out there. You can get out there and do some fall pruning. And um, a lot of the shrubs... I'm uh, going to be pruning my hy- hydrangea today well, you're because not really pruning you're just going to deadhead it. Well, deadhead it, but prune it down to the first yeah. uh, the first node there yes. before the leaves come mm-hmm. off because the snow is going to catch those and it makes yeah. them so heavy that it breaks those bottom branches. Okay. And where it is in my yard is right by my front porch, so I always throw a bunch of snow <laughs> on it, and every year they get broken. So but that's why I don't like to prune them right down. Like otherwise, you could prune a hydrangea in the spring almost in half. Yeah. But I don't like pruning them that far the right now because they catch more snow, mm-hmm. which is a great protector for them. Right and then I just give them a pruning in the spring. Uh, a lot of your shrubs and that, they're same same reason why I do just a little bit of pruning in the fall because I want that, that snow cover. It, they act like little s- snow fences, right? Mm-hmm. And they catch the snow, which is important for the plants. Uh, when we but, were in Toronto, they were actually going through, they had beds of perennials and they were yes. going through it with... Uh, Chainsaws and hedge trimmers. They were and, le- gas-powered hedge trimmers. And they were just cutting <laughs> them right cutting down the, to the ground. They were cutting the right down to the ground. With, with the Carl do, Forrester grasses, ready. they were cutting them right down to the ground. Now, I don't like cutting my Carl Forrester yeah. grass down to the ground. I like leaving Not, it up in the winter and then cutting it down right to the ground in the spring because I so love cool. the hoarfrost on like, it. It looks oh, so cool yeah. coming through the snow. So mm-hmm. that's one, yeah, you trim them right down to the ground first thing in the spring. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Brian on the line in Saskatoon. Good morning, Brian. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Morning, guys. Uh, I planted uh, b- uh, about a dozen tomato plants. They're all early girls, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a fairly good crop, but I didn't get a lot of size to them. And I was wondering, is that, like, I pruned them a couple times lightly, but maybe I, I didn't prune them enough, possibly? Yeah, um, the early girl variety is one that, that produces in about 60 days. So it's an early producer. It could be a few things. It could be, um, just in the early stages. Um, were you giving it a, a good amount of fertilizer? Uh, yeah, about every couple of weeks. Okay. So yeah, you were fertilizing it often. You could have, if you were trimming it maybe a little bit too much, um, that could be, could be another reason why they did, they didn't come to size. But early girl is a is a pretty pretty tough one. Next year, if you want to try a good one, there's one called Bush Early Girl, and that one's a similar variety but does not require any pruning. So um, that might be one that you can you can try a little bit as well too. I have great success with that one. And people that put I, the people that had them in the full sun, like mm-hmm. in the hot sun, they didn't know what to do with all their tomatoes. They had mm-hmm. so many. Yeah, <laughs> it's coming like crazy. Yeah, like so, I've got some big pine trees to the uh, yeah. east of them, and it doesn't start getting sun till probably about oh, 11 or noonish. Yeah. Eh? So that might be one of the reasons why they didn't quite. Because people I know that had them, even the even the some of the market gardener people, they had just an abundance of tomatoes this year because it was so hot, and they just produced like crazy. So it could be that you're, you're again you're, your pine trees just giving not quite enough sunlight for them to get their full size. But but try that variety, the bush early girl, next year, and see how that does for you too. Or do like half and half next year. 
Thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you. Brian. Bye. I know. Uh, we can probably get to this text before we go to a quick news break. This one coming from Yvonne in Battleford. Is it too late to throw in a little more garlic? And if so, would I have to water it in at all? Yep, just water, plant it. If it's ground's not frozen, even your tulips, the daffodils, garlic, whatever, put it planted. Throw a little bit of mulch over top of it so that the ground stays not freeze right away. Mm-hmm. So they still have time to root and put a little bit of water in them because they need some water to obviously to do that root. root. But you don't, because it's cold already, if you yeah. put water in, you have like a really clay soil, it's just going to sit in that water. Yeah. So you want to just be careful because you want well-drained soil not in that too area much, too. Not too much yeah. water, just, just, enough, just enough to give them moisture so they'll start rooting. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that people could maybe plant a little bit right now? Like this is probably, I'm going to guess the last weekend that it's a, that yeah. it might be successful. So any of your bulbs that you could plant outside. So if you have some lily bulbs or you have tulips or, um, or any of the, the, uh, narciss, narcissums, um, you could plant any of those right now. What's going to happen though is because they're not rooting in in the fall, mm-hmm. they're just going to take a little bit longer to root in in the spring. Okay. And you might just delay that bloom time a little bit. So instead of them blooming, maybe that sort of last week of, of May, first week of June, they might bloom like that second week of June for you. So you might have almost like a, a bit of a wave happening if you already planted some, which. Yeah. Might yep. look good. <laughs> and I'm still getting calls from people asking me that they need to move some shrubs or something like that okay. in the yard or move a spruce tree out in the acreage or whatever. You can still do that right up until the ground freezes. Okay. My latest time I've ever transplanted a tree is actually November 23rd. <laughs> really? I'm going for the record this year. <laughs> average, my average time over the last probably 20 years has been almost November 10th. Okay. So till the ground, because sometimes the ground freezes in the morning, but in the afternoon, I get into yeah, the ground again. Yeah, once you get again. the sun and it warms so up So I've done a lot of transplanting and planting as right up as long as I can get water to them. That's the key, is water them afterwards, get the air pockets out of the soil, and get the soil settled in around the roots. And uh, so you obviously don't have the taps hooked up. Mm-hmm. So you have to bring pails of water and just water things yeah. in. This and- guy just never stops. I want to tell you, like, last <laughs> night we were um, out at the cabin with my, my mom and dad, and mm-hmm. they were sitting out there like admiring their yard, and they're talking about... Do you, Kim, do you think I should plant a few more trees yet this year? <laughs> a man with does, a plan. Stop. Good morning, Paul. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Um, first of all, I'd like to say I had a very successful gardening crop this season. Awesome. Good. And I would like to thank you guys for all the helpful hints and everything. You made it possible. Oh, well, that's yeah, great no. to hear. I love to hear those success stories. And that's kind of the goal is to make gardening accessible to anybody and for, for us to be able to provide you like that confidence to be able to go out there and be like, hey, I did it. Yeah. You know, so good job. Yeah. And we're lucky to have you because I know what a failure's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> we'll hold your hand. Yes. <laughs> well, one thing I'd like to say is I know gardening just finished, but I've been planting my beans and my carrots and my beets in one spot for the last couple of years. Is is that okay, or do I have to rotate those crops also? You're best to rotate all your crops, and that, the reason especially why, your root crops. The, the reason why you end up doing, especially your root crops, yes, especially what you, you end up having to change your potatoes and and those kind of things, all your root crops anyway. So then you so you end up moving your beans to where your potatoes were, right? So you oh. take up you end up taking up space because you remember one thing about 
about uh, about beans and that is that they fix their own nitrogen so that they help you know in areas where you didn't put that much nitrogen in they'll help fix what's there so i mean it's just a it's just a give and take for all your vegetables that's why rotating them is the best thing for them Okay, so where should I, my beans, it should go where my potatoes were? Well, or potatoes, or it could be where your carrots were, or your or your your radishes were, or your beets oh, were. Doesn't yep. matter. Any any of the root crops, you could put your top crops there, you know, your 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 your, your um, tomatoes, or your beans, or your, you know, all those peas, mm-hmm. all those kind of things that grow on top of the ground. Uh, the only thing I watch is if I have a smaller space where I'm gardening and it's not a big open space, is just watch where your tall crops are that they're not shading your lower crops. Yeah. So, so that's the only thing that so I you want to watch. plant your corn so that it's going to shade your beans. Shade yep. Yeah. Okay. Now, one more thing. Uh, don't don't forget the birds. Yes. This is a good time to start feeding the birds. Yeah, absolutely. There's still there's still some in the wild. There's still some. I noticed they're feeding on choke cherries and that kind of stuff yet, mm-hmm. but that will run out pretty quick. And uh, especially when you get an an, an early uh, an early snow like this, and then uh, you're definitely feeding the birds. Birding, you know, Paul is becoming in the gardening industry is becoming one of the biggest growth things actually across the world hmm. is just bird watching bird feeding bird birding in in, in particular yeah, and so it's not only feeding them it's providing a place for water for them yep. so putting some circulating water somewhere in your yard or a heater in in a little bird bath yep. um, just to keep yep. a little bit of water open for them too yeah no, yep. perfect it's great. Yep. thank great. you so much for your time you guys yep. thanks, thanks for Paul. calling in have a great day you yeah. too great therapy just watching birds i mean yeah, just a quiet minute, you know, you're yeah. just out on out looking out the window, maybe yeah. have a coffee. <laughs> That's something we did for for grandma um, Howard is outside of her window. We put a little bird bird bath there. And oh, a bird good feeder, idea. And it was just something that she enjoyed doing. She got to know the birds in her in her yard. And it was the fun thing for the grandkids to do whenever they came over. They would go outside the window and fill up the bird feeder. Too, so. <laughs> My dad, when he was over at Luther Perry Riverside, he was in charge of the bird feeders. And so he got everybody involved in getting the feed. And Your dad's the- always been a big birder yeah, yes so yeah it was fun for them it was great yeah. great things to engage and mm-hmm. and uh feel purpose yeah uh we have a couple of texts here that we can get to uh this one coming from irene in martinsville i had some carrots go to seed this year took off the seed clusters how do i get the seeds off i see the seed has tiny fuzziness or tentacles on the edges of the seed when i plant these in the spring will they germinate yeah, so just just dry them on a piece of paper or something like that. So then they'll dry nice for you, and then you can then you can once they dry out, you can collect them, and then you can store them probably in a fridge. Probably be the best. You place can store to them know. in a fridge, but it's best just to dry them first yep. is the most important part. So making sure there's no moisture in them, mm-hmm. and then you can even store them in a little a little envelope or something, and okay. you can put them in the fridge. It's important not to put them near any fruits or vegetables. Yes, no, yes. So you can do that, or just down in a in a dark, cool place is fine for for next year too. You can do that. But okay. what I usually do is dry them off first, and then if you have like a, a strainer or something that's really fine, kind of rub the debris off through there, and the seed will kind of be left left standing. Okay. Um, with carrot seed, it's so tiny. They're very tiny. So mm. yes. um, you'll have to have a very very fine fine screen and you can kind of rub it through there and then collect them that way just to get a little bit more of the debris off of them. But with any of this, um, one thing great about the internet is there's great YouTube videos available. So if you're looking for a YouTube video on how to do this with a certain type of seed, Mm -hmm. just Google that and it will come up and it will show you specifically for that step-by-step as well. All right. Um, This one coming from, oh, no name on this one. Uh, First time with a canna lily. I have the roots slash bulbs in a box. What do I do with it now? 
Okay. So with canna lilies, you've taken it out, you've put it in the box, you dust the soil off, um, and you kind of just trim maybe the excess leaves off of them too, and then just put it into cold storage, leave it there. Okay. Um, you don't need to add any extra moisture or anything like that. Just leave it well, in a cold storage I, area. I found ours though. We, we put them into baskets, right? Yep. And put a whole bunch together, but we needed to go in once during the wintertime because they got too dry. Oh, you must have had some airflow or something yeah. in your we area. Yeah, it's pretty dry, so we had to go in once during the, just to just to add a little bit of moisture so the bulbs didn't dry totally out. So it all depends on your location. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll want to start planting them again, usually end of January, middle of February, in and around that area. Just put them back into the soil and start watering and fertilizing them, and they'll be ready to go for spring. All right. Um, this one is coming from Wendy in Saskatoon. Uh, it says, good morning. Uh, happy that you touched on feeding birds. However, when I feed birds, uh, I only get sparrows and they, uh, and they are dominant. Uh, they seem to push the chickadees and other songbirds away. Even though the chickadees, uh, I buy chickadee food, the sparrows seem to love it. Any suggestions for variety? Go to a different type of bird feeder. Okay. Um, so what you can do is you can get a bird feeder like chickadees will, you know, you could use like a Niger seeds type of feeder. Okay. And then you, the birds hang upside down to feed and sparrows can't do that that well. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, if you just put it on a platform, yeah, you'll get lots of sparrows. But if you get a tube feeder, then you'll get more of your, of your chickadees and those kind of things, nut okay. hatches, those kind of things. Just need a bit of variety in yep. what the feeders actually look like yep. and do. Okay. Um, this one coming from Kelly in Find Later. Uh, my wife has lavender perennials. Should these be cut down for better growth next year? Um, with the lavender, lavender is, is a, is a hardy perennial. If you have the lavender monstead, they can be cut right down to the ground every year. However, if it's in an area where you get a lot of blowing wind or not a lot of snowfall, mm-hmm. I would keep it up to catch more snow and then cut it down in the spring right to the ground. All right, so a little bit of time yet. Yeah, a little bit of time <laughs> and, yet. And just if you if you do get no snow, like if we get just a little bit of snow right now, mm-hmm. and not and it still gets really cold, then you might want a lavender. Even just throw a little bit of extra mulch on top of them. One thing though about lavenders, there's so many different varieties, and lavender is so popular right now yeah. with um, especially the aromatics and um, and such like that. So there is varieties that are not hardy to yeah. Saskatchewan. The ones you probably bought at the grocery store are probably not hardy not for Saskatchewan. Hardy. Yeah. So there is only a few handful of varieties that are hardy. So make sure if it didn't survive, check the variety, and then make sure you get a hardy variety for next year. Uh, we have a couple of things on the list that we can get to while we're uh, while we are waiting on callers. Uh, amaryllis bulbs are in already. Yes, they're in. Um, but one thing, if people have them from their garden, there's a few things that you need to do mm-hmm. too. So first of all, they need they need to go through a eight to twelve week dormant period. Okay. And how to do that is by decreasing your watering on them. So you want to de- stop watering them at this point. Well, they, uh, later, like earlier in the season, usually mm-hmm. around September, and allow the leaves to sort of die back into the bulb. Once they've sort of turned yellow, you can cut them off. And you can store them into cold now, storage. What if they did that outside already? Like they had them in a pot and they left them outside right up until the frost sort of just Same light frost thing. hit them. You want to decrease yep. your watering in them so those leaves sort of die back okay. down to the bulb. So if the leaves are still bright green, you want to decrease your watering to a point where those leaves are sort of wilting and turning, dying back into the bulb. So that's step one. Then step two is cutting those off and putting them into cold storage. Now you can leave them in the soil for cold storage or you can take them out of the pot and put them into cold storage that way. Okay. And you want to do that for about eight to 10 weeks. And that will kind of reset the blooms on those bulbs. And then once you've done that, you can take them out. So timing it for when you want it to bloom Mm -hmm. is really important on this. So take your calendar and be like, oh, I want to bloom it here. Some people will have like a New Year's wedding and they'll want amaryllis bulbs. So they'll want to time it for that. 
after you um, plant it back up again, so you'll plant it up, put it in a pot, and I usually choose a pot that's about an inch or two bigger on either side, um, and start watering and fertilizing it and putting a nice bright south window or west window or adding some grow lights to it. And then you should expect blooms on it from four to six weeks after that. So what happens if they have it in the pot mm-hmm. and they never took it out of the pot? Yes. So what do you, what can those people do? Because you had the ones that had them out of the pot and stored them. So, or if you buy one, they don't have any soil and you pot them up. But what would if one just in a pot? Then you want to keep it in a pot? Yeah, I want to keep it. They kept it in a pot. Yeah. I would so, just put it in a garage or somewhere that's yep. cool that's not going to freeze. But then once you bring it inside again to mm-hmm. get it going, mm-hmm. what I've done before is I've taken it out of the pot and replanted it back in the pot again. It gives it that shock. It seems like it gives it that shock. As, like a lot of plants want to rebloom because they've been... They've been, sh- they've been stressed. I'll do a similar thing to a uh, Christmas cactus as well, too. Mm. If yep. I'm finding my Christmas cactus isn't reblooming, I'll shock it by transplanting it yep. or moving it into a cooler space for about a week and then moving it back into the okay. sunlight. Yep. And that will shock it and reset it. And then it will start blooming. So if you're having trouble with your plants not blooming, setting them, giving them a little bit of a shock, that will help reset those yep. buds and, uh, and help it get going again. So yeah, good, good tip there, Rick. For that sure. work. <laughs> so that's all you have to do. And then you get to enjoy them. And those who have had amaryllis and those who haven't, um, they are such an easy plant to care for. You pretty much, once you have them planted, you just let them go. Um, there's ones that you can get that have wax coverings yeah. on them. Those are great to give as gifts or put into an area. Maybe you don't have a pot or mm-hmm. you don't like to water them. You don't have to water them at all. You just set them on your counter, set them in a glass vase um, and watch them go. So those are... And then there's a way to treat those. We'll talk about that later on in the season about what to do with the wax bulbs once you yeah, finish flowering. Yeah, if you want to keep them for later. Yeah. If you want to keep them for later. later yeah, yes. I, I, I attempted to do that and it's a little trickier with those ones yes. too, but let's let's touch on that in January. <laughs> we'll, we'll touch on that yeah, once people January. have, you know, been given these for, you yeah. know, Christmas time and then yeah. once we're looking to find something yeah. to do. Uh, speaking of Christmas, uh, some Christmas greens are finding their way into the greenhouse yes. already. Yeah, Absolutely. we got some of the beautiful smells of cedar and pine and Douglas fir. Um, it's definitely starting to happen. We have the Christmas classes online are ready for people to start registering for for their um, for their events and stuff. But I just love the smell that Christmas brings. And I don't want to say like we're we're not into Halloween yet, yeah. but we're not quite full blown. It's, it's, it's you know just, starting to ramp up a little bit. But it's something that's in the back of my mind. You sort of yeah. start seeing all of those ads coming up on your phone now that Christmas yep. is kind of poking <laughs> in. Great great stuff you can use for you know now Halloween's going to be over next Wednesday or whatever mm-hmm. Tuesday Wednesday Halloween Tuesday. right so, Tuesday, yeah. so then then you. Can tra- while the ground's not really frozen hard yet, you can transition your pots from a fall, you know, display to your winter display using some of your 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 boughs and your your fir boughs and cedar boughs, and then later on you can add some Christmas balls to them yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So. That's something that I will do now if I'm wanting to add some birch poles or some long willow sticks or anything like that to my containers. Maybe I have some pumpkins and mums in there. I'll actually stick those in now before it gets rock hard okay. frozen, so that they're in there, and then I can transition my other greens in there later. Which those ones I don't need to stick as deep into mm-hmm. the soil, so sticking those in now is a really good idea. And you can kind of um, adjust it as the season changes a yep. little bit. You yeah, know, yeah, exactly. you keep the pumpkins for a couple yep. more days, maybe a week. Yeah, <laughs> I have pumpkins and fall mums and some sticks and some maybe some, some um, decorative corn on my front step right now. Mm-hmm. And that will be transitioning again. Yeah, we have all those pots. We might as well, tr- you know, keep into using them as yeah. displays yeah. in our front yards, right? And just sit, rather than just sitting in an empty pot on your de- on your front step, you know? <laughs> Especially midwinter. So, it's nice to have yep. something a little bit green going on in yep. the front yard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, another thing that we're starting to see is uh, we're starting to see another spout of bugs produced on our houseplants. I know mm-hmm. we're going out and scouting. So making sure that you're, you have a routine of scouting in your houseplants about every 10 days. Um, so that's usually your bug cycle is 10 days. And you're checking the backs of the leaves. You're checking the new growth. You're checking the soil. Um, and then I always usually have a product called Endol on mm-hmm. hand. Um, Endol is a pyrethrin-based product, and it has canola oil in it too. And so it just sort of coats those leaves and those eggs, and it catches a few more stages than just the dish soap might. Yeah. Um, if you have a really bad infestation, it's quite okay to give your houseplant a bath too. Take so it to the shower. Take it right to the shower, <laughs> yep. the bathtub, and uh, you can even mix your soapy water right in the bathtub. Throw a plastic bag over top of the pot, you know, mm-hmm. itself, and just go go ahead and wash it wash right down. Wash it right down, and that will that will really get rid of some of those pesky bugs, and also give it some humidity to those leaves, which in the winter time we don't have a lot of humidity in our homes. Yeah, I've had to uh, move my. The, the, I call it my balcony jungle into the house now because they're mostly like house plants. And I had them on the kitchen table and then that got vetoed. So now how did, I, that, how did that get vetoed? Well, um, it was, uh, it looked, I thought it looked great, but the, uh, the significant other disagreed. He needed to use the table. Who knew? <laughs> and was like, is there anywhere we can put these that maybe aren't on the table in the way of everything? So I, I have my that. little plant stand. It's looking great, but uh, I do think I'm going to need to throw a grow light, at least on the one side. It doesn't get quite as much light. I love that. And I love that you just mentioned, like, I'm going to throw a grow light in there. I think that lighting is <laughs> such a so thing. It's just so dark in that one little corner. <laughs> we forget about, we forget, like, these plants have been enjoying the sunlight outside, yeah. and mm-hmm. we have so many more of them. And adding that grow light is and so, so really important. Neat, during the pandemic, houseplants went berserkers. Oh, so yeah. everybody bought houseplants. But now there's companies are starting to come up with unique type of of plant lights and mm-hmm. we just got a set of plant lights out that actually look pretty good you know yeah, not, they, just yeah. a, not just a big four foot fluorescent <laughs> over top of your plants right yeah so. they look nice and you can group your plants together and actually give them some lights um like in saskatchewan here what do we have like six hours of sunlight yeah, some days like so <laughs> having some of the, your plants have that like 10 10 hours of sunlight it's going to keep them actively growing throughout the winter and you'll get a lot more new growth on your plants yep. that way All right, perfect. And that brings us to the end of the show for the week. Uh, You've been listening to Garden Talk right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.